1: A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
0: Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile?
2: the volume boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel football season is here and there's no better place to get into the action than with FanDuel the app is safe secure and easy to use FanDuel always has exclusive offers when you win you'll get paid fast FanDuel has lots of ways to play like the spread money line over-unders team totals player props and so much more Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Combine multiple bets in the same game in a same-game parlay. And try out the same-game parlay plus. So use promo code BOXING and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this football season. This is Boxing with Chris Manning. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Box. Watch this. Andrew Ruiz. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. We've got a great show for you this week. I am in Las Vegas, the site of Canelo Triple G the trilogy-completing fight between two of the biggest stars in boxing. That will go down Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena, live on DAZN Pay-Per-View. I have been here all week long. I have talked to the fighters. I have talked to the trainers. I have talked to people that know the fighters and the trainers. And I'm going to break down this fight from all angles with you. Keith Ideck, friend of the program, BoxingScene.com. He is going to join me, and we are going to have... A pretty robust discussion about this fight and exactly what it means for both fighters and a reminder after the fight i'm going to be coming to you with a bonus podcast the latin snake himself sergio mora he is going to join me fresh from ringside to talk about what we saw on saturday night between canelo and triple g all right keith Ideck, boxing scene.com i'm going to give you an over under how many slices of pizza do you think i've eaten this week I
3: thought you were going to say how many slices of pizza have I eaten, which I would have have been higher probably. Um, Three
2: days so far, uh, three full days. How many slices do you think? Ten. Wow, you went higher. Seven. Seven Seven slices of pizza, including uh, two today. No, I do not want any more pizza. I'm getting another slice of pizza. (laughs) Thank you because I'm brought over to you. No, I'm all set with pizza. We are in the MGM Grand Press Center, the home areas. (laughs) I'm getting heckled by mid-level pr staffers from the side fred sternberg
3: fred, fred fred's always heckling so he's like that
2: that's correct yes i am greg bishop's intern uh we are here at the mgm grand press center the site of gennady Golovkin, canelo alvarez the trilogy completing third fight is saturday you can watch that fight on DAZN pay-per-view uh all right so let's just kind of start here keith with canelo Golovkin, like the the buzz you're kind of feeling for this fight compared to the previous two. You you're at both those previous two fights. Uh, how are you feeling going into this one compared to the other two?
3: Well, it's only Thursday, I guess, but you know more people are going to filter into Las Vegas over the next couple of days for Mexican Independence Day weekend. I'm sure the weigh-in will be wild tomorrow. Uh, but there's certain... I guess the
2: question is more like, is is this fight as compelling as the first Oh, the three? fight itself yeah, or I mean, the is event? It, is it still, I mean, I guess from, a little bit of both, but yeah. Yeah, I mean,
3: I think... Both are less compelling. I think that's probably fair because four years have passed since the last fight. You know, they've separated themselves in a variety of ways. Triple G's obviously forty years old. He's only fought four times in the in the four years, somewhat pandemic related. Um, had COVID himself, of course. So, uh, so there, there's less buzz. I mean, it's just just the way it is. I mean, this fight, in my opinion, based on people that I've spoken to. The pay-per-view buy rate, they're expecting to be lower than for Canelo Alvarez's fight against Caleb Plant last year, which no one would have said if they would have fought three years ago. Now, of course, Caleb Plant hadn't fought Canelo Alvarez at that point, but mm. no one would have said that Triple G, Canelo 3 would do less pay-per-view buys than Caleb Plant, Canelo Alvarez. No one, would have, no one sane would have said that. And now that's being discussed in boxing circles by people who know what they're talking about because the event is probably happening three years later than it was supposed to have happened or should have happened, and it's $85, which is you know a pretty high price point, I suppose, but they are still two of the biggest stars in the sport. Canelo's the biggest star in the sport, certainly in American boxing. He's the biggest star, and the rivalry does mean something. People do want to see the third fight, and I personally think the fight itself is going to be a competitive fight. I don't see... Just because Triple G is 40 years old, I don't see Canelo Alvarez coming in there and running him out of the ring or beating him up to the degree where he could potentially stop him. I don't see that happening. I see maybe not as competitive of a fight as their second fight, but still a, a reasonably competitive fight that Canelo Alvarez will win by unanimous decision.
2: So what's the biggest question for you coming into this fight? You've got some variables out there, right? You mentioned the age of Gennady Golovkin, just months removed from turning 40 years old. He has been relatively inactive since that second fight against Canelo back in the fall of 2018. He's 4-0 and since then. He's reclaimed mm-hmm. his middleweight title. He has unified Is he? that middleweight title. Well, I'm, hey, look, I was on record. I thought he was 3-1. and one. I thought he lost the Derevchenko fight, but judges gave it to him. He's mm-hmm. been on the wrong end of judging as well, so we'll give him mm-hmm. uh, that one. But, you know, he fought Derevchenko. Good fight. Steve Rolls, not so much. Camille Zarameta, thanks for coming. Uh, and then, you know, Ryota Morata, who I think it's safe to say was the weakest of the middleweight champions uh, that were out there at the time. So that's on Golovkin's side. Canelo's side, he's coming down from 175. He's coming off his first loss in almost 10 years. Like, what's the biggest question for you? What are you looking for in this fight?
3: Well, the biggest questions for me are how is he going to, how is Triple G going to compete with Canelo now that he's 40 years old? Because, look, the first four-plus rounds of the Murata fight w- were not good for Triple G. He got hit a lot. You know, Canelo said the other day when I asked him about this, he said he felt like Triple G, he didn't use the word respect, but he felt like Triple G had felt his power early in the fight, wasn't really all that concerned about it, and maybe was a little lax defensively, which he would not do against Canelo probably. Um, so maybe the performance wasn't quite as bad as it appeared and it was also his first fight in almost 17 months. You know, he was rusty. You know, he hadn't fought in a long time. He's fighting in his opponent's home country. There were a lot of variables there that could have made it more you know, more difficult for him than people expected. Of course, once he got into a rhythm and he started busting up Murata, you know, he dominated him over the last few rounds, dropped him and stopped him in the, i think it was the ninth round, I'm pretty sure, yeah. right? Um, so, overall, a good performance. You know, he won by technical knockout. He, he was winning— on all three scorecards, uh, so it wasn't like he was behind in the fight and came back and stopped him or anything. Not a, not a great performance, but but the questions that we would be asking quite naturally, Chris, is how is he going to fight at 40 years old against an elite level opponent, which Murata is not. You know, Canelo, no one's going to confuse Canelo Alvarez for Rio to Murata. So that's the, that's what we have to find out. Right at 40, can he still be as competitive with someone as good as Canelo? Now he's going to. He's going to use that power jab, which was really effective for him in the second fight. Um, He's going to throw a lot of punches. He's going to throw more punches than Canelo, even at 40. He's eight years older, but he's going to be more active just because that's not the way Canelo fights for the most part. So uh, is that going to be enough to beat Canelo Alvarez? I don't think so. Um, But look, Canelo's not invincible. We found that out four months ago, right? He decisively lost that fight. A lot of people thought, uh, you know, the, the scores were entirely too close way too close right? way I'm too sure close. we'll get into the score later um, but you know he he lost nine rounds probably and it was still 115 113 on all three cards which I understand why Triple G cannot make a, a public thing out of this like he can't make it seem like it's on his mind how could it not be on his mind he won the first fight had to settle for a split draw second fight was very competitive I thought Canelo won. I I understand the perspective of people who might think that Golovkin won, but I do think Canelo deserved the nod in that fight. So in my mind, they're one and one, and this is kind of unofficially a rubber match. But at 40 years old and at 168 pounds for the first time, a division in which Canelo Alvarez has succeeded as much. He beat everyone, cleaned out the whole division, beat a whole bunch of undefeated champions. Some people might say those guys are not, you know, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, uh, Caleb Plant are not elite-level fighters, but they were world champions. They were undefeated world champions when he beat them, and he cleaned out the division in a very short amount of time.
2: Yeah, the the judging is interesting
3: because if
2: you're Golovkin, don't you have to just kind of sell out in this fight? Like, you cannot count on getting a decision against Canelo Alvarez in Vegas. I was with you. I forget how I scored the b Bowl fight, but it was at least 8-4, maybe 9-3, in favor of b the fact that all three judges had 115 113 whereas if one round had flipped it would have been a draw in that fight that was wild um Beeble deserved to win that fight but if you look at the history of canelo in vegas he gets close decisions now that's not to say he doesn't deserve to get them i mean people can argue Arislandi lara may have beat canelo i thought that was a close fight and you know sometimes it goes the other way but you go back to even the losses whether it was the b fight or the atrocious scorecard we saw in the Mayweather fight where C.J. Ross had it even, a fight that Canelo clearly lost, doesn't Golovkin or shouldn't Golovkin have the mindset in this fight where i got to go for broke, I have to try to knock this guy out because that will probably be the only way I can win?
3: I would say yes, Chris, except that he would then be exposing himself to getting caught with something and being and finding himself in a position that he's never found himself and we've never seen Gennady Golovkin quote unquote hurt. I, I know he's felt particular punches in his career and maybe masked it very well, but we haven't seen him knocked down, beaten up or anything like that. And if you take those kinds of risks and just throw caution to the wind because of what you're mentioning, which makes sense, mm. but I don't know that he can Easier do that. Easier said than done, you know. Right, and <laughs> I don't know that you speed That's puncher. what I'm saying. I mean, you put yourself in a position yeah. where you could get clipped with something that could really get you knocked out, end your career, whatever it might be, because Canelo's just too dangerous to do that. But on the flip side, what, you can't go into this fight based on many of the things that you just mentioned, thinking that you're going to win on the scorecards, whether that that's obviously unfair and shouldn't exist, but that's the subjective nature of scoring boxing. And for whatever reason, Canelo Alvarez gets the benefit of the doubt on the scorecards virtually every single time the two the scorecards that cj ross submitted for the mayweather fight and adelaide bird e- even more so f- mm-hmm. for the first uh fight between triple g and canelo are two of the worst scorecards in recent boxing history the common denominator obviously is canelo and people haven't forgotten any of that there's no way that's what i'm saying no, there's no way triple yeah. g's forgotten about that chris what i'll say this i don't want to disparage guys who are quality judges like dave moretti and steve weisfeld Mm -hmm. but i can't imagine that triple g uh, is okay with them scoring the fight this fight because they both scored the Bivol canelo fight 115-113 for canelo i think we're all in agreement that that's that's just entirely too close Mm -hmm. they both scored uh triple g the canelo a 115-113 winner in their rematch not absurd by no. any stretch. I mean, it was a competitive fight. Could have, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think Canelo won. I was fine with it. One fifteen, one thirteen. Moretti did score. Uh, Weisfeld did not score their first fight, but Moretti scored their first fight. One fifteen, one thirteen for Triple G, mm-hmm. which probably makes him say, okay, well, he's given me a fair shake mm-hmm. against Canelo in the past, and and he, I'm okay with him. But I, I don't know, man. Like, you're all right with the two guys who just scored. Not, not only did they all score, uh, Bivol. Canelo 115-113 for Bivol, all three of them gave the each of the first four rounds to Canelo. That was wild. That was wild. I think it was 2-2. Two, two.
2: I had a 2-2, two, two, I think, through four. Right. Which, Reasonable.
3: Yeah. It, worst case scenario, 3-1, but you can't, if you have... Working, no way you give him all four. You, look, there's just no way that he lost all four rounds, and they were in complete agreement on oh. that. So it's almost like... I don't know
2: what to make of that when you have not all four either. judges in complete agreement on four rounds that clearly should not have been scored that way like that right. to me is like and i hate saying this because i've said many times and i think you'd agree i think steve weisfeld is if he is one if not the best judge in all of boxing he is in my opinion the gold mm-hmm. standard dave moretti's been around for a while mm-hmm. has been pretty consistent in terms yeah. of high level david sutherland less so much less much but i think he's fine as a judge, it's just weird. Like, whenever Canelo Alvarez gets in the ring, these judges seem to see something with what yeah. he's doing that his opponents are not.
3: It's interesting, Chris, because I'm not casting any aspersions on anyone because I know Steve Weisfeld personally. Like, yep. judges are— Jersey guys yeah, stick right. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jersey guys are, yeah. you know, they're you all eat, like, together. Pizza but, at the local whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, not as much pizza as you, well, yeah. apparently. apparently me, but nobody does that. Like, 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 the fact that you've eaten more than twice as much time pizza since you've been here and <laughs> since I've been here is, is a— no one would have bet on that, probably, no right? But I've had three slices of pizza oh, well. since I've been here. Busted right? you there? Yeah, um, but anyway, uh, you know, so it's not. You know, I understand from the outside looking in, people think it's corruption and people are greasing people's palms and you know paying people under the. T- that,
2: it's not quite how that works. We're not naive. Yeah.
3: We're not naive either of us. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're very skeptical people in general because of what we do for yeah. a living. But I don't think that's what it. I you know. I would like to know the actual answer. Mm-hmm. Is it just you know, so, because sometimes you could just be seated on a different side of the ring as someone and have a different perspective of what's going on, mm-hmm. because you don't have the benefit of a tele, you know the best television angles or mm-hmm. whatever. You get your angle, and if it's you don't see what's happening, right. you, know, you don't see what's happening because the guy's back is to you or whatever the case might be. Um, but it's a very subjective science. You know, people prefer usually prefer aggression, uh, effective aggression anyway. Um, but Canelo just doesn't throw a lot of punches, like, sometimes. And you and I don't get it sometimes, you know? Yeah.
2: But you, know what, what I, you know what I like, though? Uh, when this, this happened at the A.J. Usyk fight, right? Did, who was it? Was it Dontrella, Glenn Feldman? Who was the judge that – one of the judges that scored it for Joshua? Uh, Glenn Feldman. Glenn Feldman, yeah. right? Who was a good judge. Very uh, good judge. I think yeah. he's a very good judge. Somebody caught up to him. <laughs> Somebody tracked him down mm-hmm. after that fight and asked him the question. I would love to see judges be more – Accountable and be available for questions, you know. After that, just if you're going to score it a certain way, in a high-profile situation where there's so much money on the line, there should be some transparency there. I think.
3: I agree with you, but the reason why judges don't speak, as you well know, Chris, is there there are mandates from the commissions yeah. that they not speak right. because they don't want to put guys in. Pressure. They're not used to dealing with reporters. Well, some you commissions know, will send
2: the referee out there, though. Like Jersey, will. Well, you... we saw how that went. Didn't go well for the okay? referee. Okay, I
3: mean, you know, in the, you're talking about the Gary <laughs> Russell and yeah. yeah. the Gary Russell undercard, yeah. and those were some of the most bizarre explanations I've ever heard. And <laughs> but, like, I want you know, that.
2: I kind of like if you if well, you are it's, not it's confident it's great, enough to do
3: this, it's like, great for the theater of boxing. Correct. It's not great for you know having faith in commission. That the referee who you're speaking about. Was looking at the replay on a gig- a screen that's bigger than this room, and was literally saying that what everyone else saw happen didn't happen. So you put that guy in a position where now people think he's a clown. Mm. Like you know, now people don't take him. It was absurd what he was saying. <laughs> like I couldn't believe he was. I it's was great like, TV. It's ha- happening. It's great TV. But that's why they don't want to put people in positions that they're yeah. not accustomed to being. In. You don't want a guy to say the wrong thing. And, or maybe, you know, if they feel like they're being accused of something, they might react in a negative way, and they just don't this? want How about
2: this? That, you know? How about this then? How about this Like, Because in the NBA, you can't talk to referees, right? You can't just walk up to ex-referee and ask a question. What you can do, though, is afterwards there is a pool reporter. And I think there's other sports as well. But you have one reporter designated to go into a referee's locker room yeah. and ask them about something. So a pr- would like, like, a, like
3: a controversial call yeah, of some sort like, or someone know, being tell, ejected yeah. or something. Yeah, like, like,
2: like what that, did right? you, you know, it, say for Glenn Feldman, for example, you, walk, you go in there and you say... A lot of people had the score wide the other way what were you seeing just two three questions yeah and let that be the end of it. I think grown men or women are able to handle that like I I'd like to believe yeah. they could handle that
3: and That's- and, you, and you would like to see accountability from yes. people who are deciding people's careers yes, lives, the, the amount of the amounts oh. of money people are making and now let's not ignore the fact that that gambling has become such a factor in every professional sport, including boxing. Like, I wouldn't bet on boxing if I were a fan because, you know, there are too many variables that could— a guy wins nine rounds and suddenly he loses the fight— and you lose all this money. It's crazy. Yeah, I won right? a lot
2: of money when Paul Williams beat Aris Landy Lara that night in well, Jersey. Well, well, Those judges were suspended remember, right afterwards. May,
3: may, may he rest in peace. That was a. <laughs> I remember Dan Goose coming to to ringside, and it would being a fiasco at ringside. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you would like to see more accountability. That's a, that's a fair point, Chris. But I just think they just don't want to put guys in positions that they're not accustomed to. And it, but you know, again, when people are paying their hard-earned money, and you know, for pay-per-view, whether they're gambling on the fight, paying tickets. There should be more accountability. I think that's, that's definitely a fair way to look at it. Yeah. All
2: right. Uh, with it, when it comes to questions, to go back to the original topic, biggest question I have is how does Golovkin handle the body attack? Because in the second fight against Canelo, the numbers reflected he went to the body and he was effective. Since then, Canelo, or Golovkin has looked vulnerable to big body shots, mm-hmm. whether it was Derevchenko who hurt him in that fight with body shots Murata, you alluded to early on. Though, I think it was the third round. Yeah. He hit Golovkin with a big shot to the body. Yep. Gennady stepped back, took a deep breath, and uh, continued on. But I had a chance to ask Golovkin and Jonathan Banks this week about concern about that, how do they adjust to that. And they were pretty dismissive of mm-hmm. Gennady's vulnerability there. I, maybe they're just saying that to me. Maybe they have mm-hmm. a plan to protect the midsection, do something differently yeah. to make sure you don't get beat up. But if they don't, I think that's a tactical mistake. I think Canelo is going to zero in on that midsection. He's going to target it. He's going to throw bombs at it. And, look, we we don't – I think neither one of us believe Gennady's getting stopped with a headshot. Like, he's just too strong Mm -hmm. and uh, got too good a chin. But you land enough body shots on a guy that has an already weakened midsection – that's going to be a problem for him. So that to me is the bi- the biggest question in the ring. How does Gennady hold up to those body attacks?
3: You know the old boxing adage is Chris. No one likes it to the body, of course. And as and the you body get body all- never
2: forgets. Right. Sergio tells me that all the times. Like yep. when you st- once you get hurt there,
3: yep. it never goes away. Yeah, spe- from a psychological standpoint also. So um, well, better do something. I, I hope th- I hope after eight or nine weeks in training camp they devise some sort of strategy to prevent that from happening. Because as you said, that's the only path. To Canelo winning by stoppage, I think, because as you, he's got a granite chin, and he, and we've taken him, we've seen him take some bombs in fights where you're like, holy, how is he walking through this? And he, and he always has against pretty big punchers, you know, including Canelo. So, um, yeah, they, I hope they have some strategy devised to do it because otherwise, I mean, it could be a real problem for him.
2: You know, Banks said to me, he's like, we don't see it as, I think he said, a risk factor. All right, well, it feels risky to me. It feels like that's where you're going to get hit. And if you're not protecting it,
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, look, you can get knocked John out by. Gennady Banks knows a, better than
2: anyone, you can get knocked out by. I can still hear the Matthew Macklin right, body shot right. ringing in my ear yeah.
3: at Foxwoods that right. time,
2: what, eight, nine years ago.
3: Right. Uh, but look, Banks is a cerebral guy. I'm sure they've dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's, and maybe they're just not going to not going to tell us maybe exactly How what their plan they not is. Tell, you know what I mean? Media members very, when they ask them know, direct but, questions. You know, How so, dare they not yeah. do that?
2: Um, I asked Sergio this week, and I'll ask you the same question Who needs this fight more? Who is this fight more important to?
3: Uh, I, uh, Canelo, you would have to say, just in although he won the second fight and he's the only one officially who has won one of the fights, he's got more to lose. Because if Golovkin loses, well, he's supposed to. Canelo's at least a five to one favorite according to most of the reputable sports books right now. Maybe that'll change a little bit. It'll fluctuate a little bit before the fight. But those are pretty wide odds for two guys who have been so completely competitive in their first two fights. So he's supposed to. He's forty. He's fighting at 168 pounds for the first time. A lot of people think he lost the Derevianchenko fight, you know, since the last time he fought Canelo. Um, there are a lot of factors working against Triple G, so people, I think the public perception is is that he's going to lose this fight. So if he loses, he'll have made, you know, more than 20 million in guar- in a guarantee. And, uh, you know, gotten the the third fight that he always wanted, the fight that he was promised when he signed with the zone, that it's finally happening three and a half years after he signed that contract. Uh, So he's getting what he wants. Uh, But Canelo, if he loses this fight, um, he'll have lost to a 40-year-old guy who's fighting at 168 pounds for the first time, who probably lost to Derevyanchenko uh, two and a half, whatever it was, three years ago, two years ago, um, three, right? Right. Yeah, Yeah, three years ago. so he's got more, and, and then he'll have lost for the first time, he'll have lost back-to-back fights. He's never been in that position before, so he would then go from being the consensus pound-for-pound king of boxing to having lost back-to-back fights to Dimitri Bivol, who was around, I think he was a 4-1 to favorite over Bivol too, which yep. was clearly too wide, uh, but then he will have lost back-to-back fights to Bivol and to Golovkin, who he was heavily favored to beat. Uh, where does he go from there? Because then no one wants to see him fight Bivol again, right? No, but he would
2: honestly, if you had to make a comparison, he would kind of enter Anthony Joshua territory
3: where it's like you're Mm. a big
2: star, but you might have to rebuild a little bit. You might be talking about you taking a lesser fight before going into maybe a fourth fight with Golovkin.
3: The only thing that I would say uh, in comparing Canelo to Joshua is Canelo has accomplished a lot more. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Anthony Joshua is an enormous star. I'm not saying he isn't, but if you compare their resumes, they're I'm kind of incorrect. I'm not comparing resumes.
2: You know? I'm more like where they go after back-to-back losses. Like, right, you know, no, I understand. If, yeah. And we'll get to this, but if the Joshua Fury fight doesn't happen, which I still don't believe, um, you'll probably see Joshua fighting a lower-level guy in December yeah. or January. It's sort of like a a rebuilding stage of his career as he bounces back from those two losses. I feel like you put it this way, in Canelo's next fight, I wouldn't expect it to be a killer. I wouldn't expect Golovkin part four. I wouldn't expect Beevil part two. Mm. I wouldn't expect one of the top guys at 168. I would expect something a little lower. You disagree?
3: Well, I know he certainly, would. if he loses to Golovkin, that's yeah. not going to sit well with him, and he would do everything in his power to try to get the fourth fight right away. I just think from a psychological standpoint, but Golovkin would suddenly be in the driver's seat for the first time. Mm-hmm. He's never had the leverage in this situation, and he might just pull...
2: A Marquez. Marquez? We call it hey. a
3: Marquez, yeah. I'm not saying he's going to knock Canelo out, obviously, but certainly not knock him unconscious. But he would finally have the power, and he might say, well, I'm not going to fight him again. I don't need to. I'll go fight. Because, he said, look, what he said yesterday to us was that this is his last fight with the zone. Now, he signed a six-fight contract with the zone. This is only the fifth fight. He said emphatically yesterday, this is my last fight with the zone. If that is true— I believe that to be true as okay, well. I do okay, so if, so if that's true— I could easily see him, if, if he were to win the fight, and he says, F this guy. I'm not doing this again. He can he can go eat that for the rest of his life that mm-hmm. I beat him in the last oh, that fight. Oh, they would drive Canelo crazy. They would drive Canelo crazy. Correct. All right. So then I could see him dropping back down the middleweight and then going, you know, giving Al Heyman a call. Say, look, you want to make this Charlo fight? Mm-hmm. Let's go make this Charlo fight. And then he, you know, he works have to come
2: sp- up with a lot of money to make Charlo Canelo they or would. Charlo Golovkin. They would.
3: They would. I don't think Charlo would do that next, even if, even if Golovkin mm-hmm. won on Saturday night and wanted to do that next, because Charlo hasn't fought in a very long time, and it certainly doesn't seem, based on what I was told, that this Seleski fight is going to be rescheduled anytime soon, so he would have to get some kind of fight in between uh, before that would happen. But the point is is that Golovkin would have many more options, particularly because he owns, if you count the IBO, he, he, he owns three middleweight mm-hmm. titles, and he could go fight Charlo in a big fight. Well, Andrade is not the middleweight champion not that he would he they've made it clear they want they don't want <laughs> I to I, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry hey, whoa, whoa. I mentioned the A word the A word on this podcast. I don't want <laughs> to get you go uh, down a Android rabbit hole. But um <laughs> but there are options for him As I guess what I'm saying. And he and he would be the fully unified super middleweight champion. So if he yeah. were if he were comfortable at that weight, well he could fight a multitude of mm-hmm. super middleweights. He could fight
2: he could call Al Heyman and go fight Caleb Plant if Plant winds up beating Mm -hmm. uh, Darrell in his next fight, David Benavidez. That's a much riskier fight, I think, for for Golovkin, but that's certainly available to him. I agree that there's a lot at stake for Canelo, but I have a bit of a different take on Golovkin because I've been reading a lot and hearing a lot this week about no matter what happens in this fight, Gennady Golovkin is going to walk into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. I kind of sort of shrug a little bit at that. Because, look, he's got a great record. Um, he is undoubtedly one of the most entertaining fighters of this generation. But when I look at his resume, I see Daniel Jacobs. I see David Lemieux. I see Sergey Derevchenko. I don't see a depth of quality wins. And wow. I, I think that, to me, that that is a variable when you start talking about fighters and their candidacy for the Hall of Fame. I I just, I I need to, I want to see three, four, five quality, high-level wins. Now, I will acknowledge readily that for six years, he chased all the top guys, longer really, because he chased Felix Stern before he came to the U.S. Uh, He's been chasing the top guys forever. Sergio Martinez avoided him. Miguel Cotto avoided him. Uh, Canelo even, for a couple years longer than people wanted didn't want to fight him, or at least Oscar Del Hoy at that time didn't want Canelo uh, fighting Golovkin. But in the last three years, he has had opportunities to burnish his resume. He could have fought Andrade. He could have fought Charlo. He could have fought Jaime Munguia, which would have been a reasonably high-level win. He didn't. Look, it's a business. He clearly made the right decision because he's going to get paid what, in excess of $20 million probably for, for this fight. But there's a consequence for that. And that's, you know, it, it gets taken into account that when Golovkin had the opportunity to fight all the big fights he was clamoring for early, he didn't do it. And that that to me, that 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 is going to be a factor when Hall of Fame consideration comes around.
3: So this is a hot take from Chris Mannix that Gennady Golovkin is not a first ballot not, Hall of Fame. I'm not sure.
2: Well, again, as you know, because the Hall of Fame is ridiculous
3: this is not the baseball hall of fame by the way
2: no, no it's not it's the hall of fame where three guys get in every year no matter what mm-hmm. so you know if there's a year where there's no top guys mo larry and curly are getting in um shout out by the way to ivan calderon i am keep voting for you every year until you get in <laughs> uh 105 pounds i love ivan calderon like he was great back in the day He's kind of actually not to go down a rabbit hole but he's kind of the bar for me like you got to be better than ivan calderon to get into the hall of fame uh, on my ballot Guy that was for six years Like the best little man yeah. In all of boxing So but that, that to me Is it like I, with, with the understanding That Boxing Hall of Fame Is goofy In that way Like Do I look at Golovkin As a first ballot Hall of Famer
3: I don't know I, I, I don't see the quality Wins on the resume Well here's what I would say I, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer One because the standards Are simply lower For the Boxing Hall of Fame Than they are Particularly for the Baseball Hall of Fame Right I mean that's the Probably the most stringent uh, And criteria.
2: would you not argue The best Like I think baseball, yeah, the baseball game is the best. Yeah, like you got to get seventy-five I mean, percent of the vote. it's inconsistent,
3: you know, because uh, of the with, steroids with some, and the right, right.
2: With, with obviously, but like mm. I like it. Every year you should have to get seventy-five percent of the vote. Yeah,
3: like that's yeah. it. It's
2: got to be a consensus that you get in. The,
3: it, he he does not officially have a win against a guy who was the pound for pound king. Now there but is, he, the, but he yep. but he won. Uh, I think most people would agree that he won the first fight. The Derevianchenko. F- now look, Drevianchenko has lost a lot of fights uh against top-level guys in the last couple of years. Uh but he's a top-level middleweight and that dog fight to me was the fight of the year in 2019. He did win the fight officially. Um
2: Close, but another one
3: where it's like right.
2: you know, I had I think I had 14-13
3: Drevianchenko mm-hmm. when it goes the other way. It was a close fight. Way. And oh, and fine. look, I I know people don't want to hear excuses, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for Golovkin. Their contention is that he was sick the whole fight week. Maybe he might not even should have fought.
2: I've heard that. Like Rizzotto, he was sick the whole I understand. week. Like
3: I said, and people don't want to hear excuses. No, Fighters go into fights injured all the time and have many things going on in their heads that they never tell people about, you know, family problems or whatever. Uh, so I understand that. But uh, but, the, but the Reverend Shanko win, which is officially a win, is a good win in my opinion. Um, you know, two very close back-and-forth fights, with an elite, elite level fighter who became the pound for pound king, um, he was a, a he had some version of a middleweight title for a very long time. Um, so I, th- for whatever it's worth, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But um, would it, if he beats Canelo convincingly on Saturday? Oh, of, co- of course, And he becomes uh, undisputed champion at 168 right. too, and, and it's, of course it's that a wrap. you know that would strengthen his legacy. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. Um, But you do make a good point about, you know, having... Because I was flat-out told that they basically told... That his people told the zone, we're not fighting Demetrius Andrade. That is accurate. Stop asking us about (laughs) it.
2: That That is is actually (laughs) almost close to verbatim, I believe. Right, So If I'm not
3: mistaken. And that's unfortunate for Andrade because he's never really gotten the type of opportunities that we would have liked to have seen him uh, receive over the last few years. But, uh, so yeah, so he didn't fight him. I'm not going to say that him not fighting Charlo is his fault, necessarily. I mean, no,
2: I. No, it's not. Although I, Charlo would have been the one where, if you were going to get kind of a cross promotional deal done, I feel like, Heyman would have been more open to that yeah. to get him in with Golovkin to get that right. king making opportunity. I feel yeah. like that was was doable. And, and look, Mungia was doable. That that to one is the most surprising because Mungia, like, Munguia's beatable. <laughs> like he's really well, good.
3: It, it, when is Munguia gonna fight somebody? Well, that's for another God's conversation, conversation
2: you know? entirely. He's gonna go forever fighting kind of the second tier guys. But I just, you know, I, I guess I, in a way, I would never hold the first, like, six, seven years of Golovkin's U.S. career against him because he tried. Tom Loeffler tried. They were, HBO tried. They were doing everything they can to get the top guys in the ring with him. All of them passed. But I have to, I kind of believe the last few years when he was making business decisions have to be taken into account. Like, he, all the fights he was begging for, they were there. You know, Charlo, Andrade, Munguia, I don't know who else is is out there. He chose not to do him. He could have gotten out of the Zarametta mandatory by fighting Andrade if he wanted to. You could do a unification fight. That would have been makeable. You,
3: you know what? It's interesting, Chris, because I think what he was really doing there, and, and he obviously has never said this to me, but I think what he was doing there was he was guaranteed a certain amount of money for the Zarametta fight, which he did not get. It was renegotiated, and he, he still got a lot of money for fighting Camille Zarametta in front of... No one, because it was in the heart of the pandemic and everything. And he was his mandatory, but I think he was, in that case, he was trying to prove a point to Dzoun because he wasn't getting. He thought he would have gotten the Canelo fight at that point, which was what he was promised when he signed this contract with DeZone. So I think there was a little back and forth there between them, where he where he demanded the Zarameda fight because he felt like he wasn't being treated fairly with Canelo. Now that not is not necessarily Dzoun's fault. They were told something. By Golden Boy, that was not true. So they were operating under the premise that that they could deliver Canelo and that they would make this fight, which obviously didn't happen. And then he separated from Golden Boy, and you know all the things that we know have happened. But just to clear one thing
2: up, uh, and I'm pretty sure you know this as well. If the pandemic had not happened, they were going to fight in the fall of 2020. Like that was going to happen. The way it was set up was, Golovkin was going to fight Zarameda in March. Canelo was going to fight, I believe, Saunders in May, and the two were going to meet in September. That, as far as I understand, that was all but agreed to there. Canelo had come off his issues with Golovkin at that time, and he was going to fight him back then. So, you know, for whatever it's worth, that fight was going to happen in September of 2020.
3: Yeah, and there was a point, like I said, that Golovkin was the one, so I'm not going to fight Canelo. So then people are saying, well, you want the fight or you don't. And,. But I do think there was something internally going on between him and DAZN, and that's more what that was about, than him not actually wanting to fight Canelo, because of course he wants to fight Canelo. He wants to avenge his only loss and make more money. He's clearly going to make more money on Saturday night than he made fighting any of the other guys he's fought since he fought Canelo the last time.
2: No question, smart business decision. But you know, when, when given the opportunity to fight these top guys, he chose not to, and I, I just, I just that, that counts for me as a variable mm-hmm. uh, in all this. Last thing on Golovkin. What do you make of kind of this sort of heel turn he's made in recent years? Where he's come a little more surly, you know, he's still affable at times, but like, you know, it just feels like well, he's a little bit of a different guy in the last couple of years.
3: He's surly toward uh, Canelo. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't sense that he's really surly toward other people. Like, I, well, he was kind of surly toward Cappadre yesterday, but, Sorry, Mike. No, but, but uh, beyond beyond that, I mean, I don't, I don't really see him. It's interesting in that. Uh, if Canelo continues to say the reason that he doesn't like Gennady Golovkin more than anything is because he thinks he's a phony, that he portrays this public persona of being this nice guy and, you know, smiling all the time and, you know, Mexican style and what, what all the things that he's been parroting for the last, you know, 10 or 12 years or whatever it is. Um, so he thinks he's a phony and that, he, that he's not really a good guy. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time around Gennady Golovkin other than fight weeks and everything. I, I, I have no reason to believe he's a bad guy per se. But, no. um, uh, but what he's but he's promoting the fights too, right? It's it's generating. He's still sticking buzz. Canelo with the positive drug test stuff. Like well, he shows up well, at Grand Arrival in, and said, "I in, f- want a clean sport." In, and- in, in fairness, why shouldn't he? Because the bottom line is, once you have that stain on your record. It doesn't go away. And some people are willing to forget it, and some people aren't. And if I'm risking my life against this guy three times, I'm not forgetting it. And he know the other thing is, he knows it gets under his skin. So he's going to continue to do it because he knows he's pissing him off. So if you know you can get a rise out of someone like that, and you in- intensely dislike that person, why wouldn't you do it? In fairness to Golovkin, like he was... Whatever the excuse is, Mexican street meat, whatever whatever they've come up with, um, the bottom line is he failed two drug tests before he was supposed to fight Gennady Golovkin the second time. That's indisputable. And if I'm Gennady Golovkin, I'm not letting that go.
2: And he's most certainly not at this point. Um, and uh, that's certainly fair play uh, by him. All right, couple couple other things I want to hit you with before we go. ESPN on Thursday reporting that Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence materially agreed Two terms on a deal. This has been something that uh, has been reported on for over a month now at this point. They're getting closer, they're getting closer, getting closer. Um, Should we get excited at this point for November 19th, Spence against Crawford? Um, Do you believe we're at that proverbial five-yard line?
3: Look, I think they're going to fight November 19th. I've thought that all along. I just think that there's too much money at stake for both guys. Uh, The alternatives for Crawford are not great the alternatives for Spence uh, are not what what are going to be palatable for the public, but they're better than what Crawford's options are.
2: Thurman being the right, Thurm, main. Right, and,
3: and Thurman's a known fighter, and people and have wanted to there. see them fight. It would have been and, a good yeah, promotion. And, and, yeah. and people have wanted to see them fight for a number of years, although Thurman's deteriorated a little bit. Um, so he has more options than Crawford. So I just always kind of thought... That Crawford eventually is just going to, whatever, whenever they get to the point where it's like either now or never, he's going to accept the deal just because even if he has to take less of a percentage or take less of a guarantee or, or whatever, you know, all the things that have been hanging up the deal, you know, the per, the rematch percentages, all, all of that stuff, right? Like he, he would eventually just accept what he had to accept. One, because he thinks he's going to beat Errol Spence, of course. Uh, two, because he's going to make less than ha- a third, To fight anyone else, and then who is he fighting? All the rest. Or Virgil Ortiz? Well, that's (laughs) the thing. All the rest of the welterweights, relevant welterweights for the most part, are with PBC. Now, Boots Ennis is not with PBC, but Terrence Crawford is not going to fight Boots Ennis if he's not going to fight Errol Spence Jr. So the alternative probably is Virgil Ortiz, who is his mandatory. Um, That's a tough. I'm not saying Crawford would a will, lot less money which right. is the key. Crawford in my opinion if he if he fought Virgil Ortiz tomorrow he would win but it's a dangerous fight and for a lot less money. So eventually he's just going to ha- he doesn't like the fact and doesn't trust the fact that this is a PBC event basically and he's not a PBC guy. He came from top rank and now he's a free agent. He's mistrustful of a lot of things and that's been part of the negotiations as well like Worrying about all the things, uh, about every little detail about fight week, making sure everything's on point because he's just mistrustful. I, I don't know if you think someone's going to poison his water or what exactly, but there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that have been stumbling blocks. Yes, he's locks.
2: not, he's not Al Heyman's guy, right? And, and he's been
3: with Heyman from right. the very and, beginning. And I'm not saying Al Heyman's going to do anything, no, to, but, but, but the, I, I, the, I get what he's but, doing, but, yeah. Yeah. But, his, but his, uh, hesitation is understandable because he's not one of their guys they're gonna you know they're gonna to cater to spence more than they're gonna to cater to him so he wants to be you know compensated financially for that um but i do think eventually they're gonna to get to the finish line here it's my understanding that they're not there yet exactly um but that they will get there the fight is going to happen november 19th which is what kind of what i thought all along because some people you know on twitter and all you know not reporters necessarily but just people well it's too late for the fight why is it too late it's, it's September Plenty 15th. Plenty of time to promote it. You've Why? got more than right. two months. And you don't need to promote it all that much. No. And the, the, the days, ever?
2: as you know, the days of like multi-city press tours are gone. You only do that. Right. It happens infrequently. You don't even need to do them necessarily. They
3: they, ha- they have time to train for two full months for the fight. And I would have to believe that both of them are in some semblance of training now thinking that the fight is going to happen. Uh, so that's not really an issue. They're going to do one press conference. They're not going to do a multi-city. Like you just said, though. those days are long gone. Um, so there's no real, like if, if they announce the fight 10 days from now, well, are people not going to buy the fight because it wasn't announced until September 30th or you don't whatever? Need a I mean, you a three month walk up.
2: I mean, if it was six weeks, I'd say, all right, maybe, but it's 12 at this yeah. point or whatever it is. And there's more than enough time. I wonder what network it winds up on. I mean, Showtime and Fox are still... I thought of PBC. When this all was kind of breaking down, Keith, one thing that popped into my mind was like, I wonder if they'd push it to like February because Fox has a Super Bowl this year. And if they did it with Fox, you could use that platform to promote it. But it does sound like the 19th is what they're targeting. And yeah, yeah. in,
3: in terms of uh, which network winds up distributing it, I would be surprised if it weren't Showtime just because all of the PBC inventory has been shifted to Showtime. Fox is, for all intents and purposes, out of boxing, except doing the occasional pay per view. And this isn't just any old pay per view; this is the pay- non-heavyweight pay per view in boxing. I, mean, I
2: thought that too, but like Spence, I think all of his pay per views have been Fox or
3: no. Uh, the Ugas, Ugas fight was, was Showtime. Time. Sorry, yeah. but the previous
2: no? yeah. Danny Garcia was Fox. Was Fox? Mikey right? Garcia right. Was Fox? Yeah.
3: But but like, if you don't, unless Al Heyman is trying now. Look, you're going to go where you get the better deal. I I understand that. Uh, at the same time, you know, he has a much. Uh, more profitable better working relationship with Showtime now than he has with Fox it looks like Fox is getting out of boxing it looks like they're interested in doing the occasional pay-per-view that shouldn't be a pay-per-view like Luis it doesn't Ortiz cost and, yeah. right, right, doesn't cost them much they're not committing any money to boxing so unless he's trying to unless Heyman were trying to I'm not trying to get into the head of, head of Al Heyman because I cause, yeah. Who you know? He's a, he's
2: now that would be a good story,
3: <laughs> right? No, but I'm saying, I mean, he know obviously he knows how to move chess pieces and all, and, and does all his things behind closed doors. Uh, but um, unless he's trying to salvage this relationship with Fox, which to my understanding is pretty much unsalvageable, in that they're not going to do another multi-fight contract with PBC, then I don't understand why it wouldn't be on Showtime, because I think Showtime with its you know with its reach with CBS and everything can offer most of what Fox. If not all of what Fox is uh, providing from a promotional standpoint, because look what they did with the Caleb Plant fight with Canelo, right? They they plastered Great it job. all over look. college football and NFL High coverage. High number of buys, yeah. And it did, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight hundred thousand buys. And who, who, what mainstream sports fan knows which mainstream sports fan knows who Caleb Plant is? I mean, come on, you know. So they'll do. I, I do think there's a you know a lower ceiling than eight hundred thousand for. As as big of a fight as it is in boxing circles, there is a lower ceiling at eight hundred thousand for uh, for Spence and Crawford.
2: Yeah, I agree with that uh, that much. I did read. Did you read the story this week about Showtime potentially getting lumped in with Paramount? I found yeah, that this fascinating. This is not. This is
3: uh, uh, full disclosure. A Paramount employee. Yes. All that. You know. Yes. So, but uh, uh, nonsense. <laughs> is it <laughs> just <Okay>. complete nonsense? <laughs> it's Wall Street Journal who wrote that. Well, you know the thing is, I think they got tripped up on. Uh, there were there were some long range talks about uh, they're they're doing deals with particular uh, providers like yep. their deal is up and everything and there was something just kind of mentioned in passing that you know eventually sometime down the road maybe something like that could ha- like it wasn't it's n- it's nothing concrete now look I'm no high level Paramount executive by any stretch I'm not trying to make it like I'm in these uh, in on these decisions or anything because obviously I'm a I'm a, a boxing writer for God's sake Well no one cares what I think probably but. Uh, but why would if Showtime has roughly 30 million subscribers, why would you disband it? It makes no sense. They Correct. They they, yes. they also produce some. For the way it was explained to me, somewhere in the neighborhood of two billion dollars in profits for the company every year. Why would you get rid of that? It's insane. Cord cutters, baby. <laughs> it's going, it's going well, I mean, app. but but what? I, I would understand it if in in. Uh, this is not a television we're not uh, television insiders now we but, are not. but the point is if they at some point made showtime and paramount plus the stream the same streaming service you know if they if for, available for one price i could see that happening eventually but now you're you're still getting two right. subs, subscriptions and bundling it into one and you're still making more money so i don't really know why you would get rid of and showtime's a pretty long established brand i mean it's a, you know they've been in boxing for 35 30 whatever mm-hmm. 37 years or whatever so not that boxing is the highest priority right. at Paramount Global, but... But
2: I've um, done it well for, yeah, for done, many right. years, so yeah, right. that didn't didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time, why they would do that. Yeah.
3: But, uh, the, the way it was explained to me by people who know much more on, in, from internally in the company, nonsense. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, it's just dead wrong. Alright, on that note, speaking of nonsense, uh, Eddie Hearn is here this week, and he's getting asked a lot about Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. So, Anthony Joshua's and Eddie Hearn's treatment of the Fury quote offer, it reminds me a lot for people that watch Seinfeld of when George Costanza told Susan Ross's parents he had a house in the Hamptons, and they <laughs> went to go visit him. Right, so bear with me here. Bear with me. So they says I got a house in the Hamptons. Say we'll go. And he says and he starts telling all these lies as he's driving to the Hamptons. And he parks the car and says we got to walk this far. It's just it feels like. Eddie and AJ are trying to call the bluff of Tyson Fury and Frank Warren like it's it can't be as simple as a fight like this getting done for 60-40 it it can't I mean we both remember we both covered how complicated the deal that was going to be in the Middle East was for Joshua versus Fury I mean Eddie Hearn agonized over that deal um I just can't believe it's as simple as principality stadium in cardiff december 3rd 60 40 split on the part of tyson fury with the winner having the option of reversing it and getting a different split i just i just don't believe it i, I don't know how you feel about this but i just don't believe that that fight is going to happen
3: well first as a huge seinfeld fan love the costanza <laughs> reference uh, like, i've got two solariums uh, yeah exactly goes, you want to turn it up a notch baby anyway. all right here we go yeah, exactly um it seems like entirely too complicated of a deal to put together in a relatively short amount of time. December 3rd is not that far away. Um, I, I don't see it. I, I, and I do agree with you. In some sense, they're calling their bluff. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, yes. And if you're, yes. jo- and if yes. you're Joshua, yes. why would you say no to it? I mean, you're in a, you've are in. you lost back-to-back fights decisively you to think the that other. Though, like,
2: I kind of feel the different way. Like It's like Joshua is now, like I don't know if he's going to stick with Robert Garcia, stick with Aja Fernandez, go a different direction, but it feels like Joshua needs to... Not rebuild over the course of multiple years, but how about you take a nice, easy whatever in December? How about mm-hmm. you fight Dillian White in the first quarter of mm-hmm. next year? And then I know Tyson Fury is the equivalent of boxing ADD, so let him fight like Derek Chisora in December if he wants to get a payday. And no, then face I'm gonna, no, I'm
3: going to stop you on that because Derek Chisora, for beating Kubrat Pulev, better not get a title shot. I'm gonna to have to put my foot down on that one. Not that anyone's <laughs> listening to me exactly, but Derek Chisora the, hater. Chisora. No, no. Look, God bless Derek Chisora. He's entertaining and and he some. Uh, yeah, but let's be a great press conference, w- great uh, w- lead up to that fight. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna flip some tables and do some crazy stuff. But at the same time, let's everyone calm down. Mm-hmm. He he beat Kubrat Pulev, who's not good, mm-hmm. and is 40 plus years old. I don't know how that warrants getting a shot at the w- at at the you know one of the two heavyweight champions. It's a, Anyway, um, won, a lot, won a lot of money in that fight, too. Six to one by decision. Oh. Cash right there. Really like a, uh, Nailed it. Wow.
2: Sit in NBA Summer League watching that with a couple of guys on a press row. That was a blast.
3: Um, you're just trying to promote your uh, <laughs> your, your gambling picks on <laughs> here is what you're doing. But I'm,
2: I'm hot, baby. Um, I'm hot.
3: B- but I don't see the fight coming together in that either. short a time. There's too many complications. There's too, You know, I understand what you're saying about Joshua, but I've been hearing about Joshua... You know, fine-tuning things, rebuilding, blah, 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 since he got knocked out by Andy Ruiz. Mm. Maybe he just is what he is. You could bring in trainers from all over the world. He's just going to fight the way that he fights. And maybe he realizes that to some extent. You know, maybe he's like, well, I could make an enormous amount of money for what would, even though he's lost back-to-back fights to Usyk, it would still be the biggest fight in British boxing history oh, huge, by yeah. a long shot, right? yeah. by a country mile, right? Yeah. So uh, why wouldn't he do it? You know, he's lost back-to-back fights. Maybe he doesn't want to... And maybe if you're Joshua, you've made so much money, um, you feel like, do I really want to go, go to training camp and get motivated? Can I get motivated for fighting... Who, whatever guys, you you know whoever it might be, Otto Valine or whoever, and he's not going to fight Southpaw probably, but I'm, but not, my, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the next I'm Otto Valine. I'm press dispa- release. I'm not disparaging Otto. No, Wallin. I'm not. I'm, I, he's my inbox fighter, clicks but, like yours, like with Otto Valine yeah, you know,
2: challenges. What, Shout out to what, his PR people. Absolutely. I keep sending those releases
3: out. <laughs> but what my point is, like a non-champion, a guy who's not a star, how is he going to get up for those kinds of fights? So maybe he just feels like. He, he feels he can beat Fury. He's not looking at it like he's going to go in there and lose. I, I think Fury beats Joshua, but it's an enormous event. And maybe he just doesn't want to waste time taking you know, B and C level opponents mm. uh, because he won't be able to get up for them. And maybe he doesn't want to fight that much longer either. I mean, he's he's 32 now, right? Yeah, 30, yeah 32. He's going to be 33 soon, maybe something. But um, he's getting a little older, and he's made so much money. Mm. He he doesn't have to fight anymore. Yeah. So maybe it'll, you know from that perspective, maybe he would yeah. want to do it. But and he's it, got it,
2: that massive new zone deal that is encompassing multiple fights at least. That's going to pay him a lot of money. Yeah.
3: Well, that that was good business.
2: Yeah. He still he still I tell no, you this, not thing. for and
3: I don't mean for him for him it was. Well,
2: I mean, he still does pay per view buys. I'll, I'll give him that. Like he he'll still he could fight anybody and still. Draw a crowd. He's still. I would argue he's as popular as Fury in the UK.
3: He is. No. Yeah. yeah. And, and and like you said Maybe about Canelo, Canelo yeah. before he's like Joshua in that sense. Like yeah. if he were to lose to Golovkin on Saturday, he's still a superstar. Yeah. He still yeah. has an entire country behind him. Yeah. And a lot of people in the US. So. Yeah. yeah
2: there's no doubt about that. Be interesting to see what he decides to do if that fight comes together. But more than anything else, I think we both agree it's just it feels like it's it's happening too quickly. Like I'd love yeah. to believe that you could put together a fight of that magnitude as quickly as it seems to be coming together. I just don't believe that's
3: possible also chris you know tyson fury is very entertaining mm-hmm. he's been great for boxing in many ways but he goes on there every day and says something different yes. so like it's, there's some days he's not fighting anymore so he's challenging he, so derek Jasor, he's challenging right. francis nagano
2: right. he's retiring he's traveling to iceland to every, challenge the mountain every week
3: it's something else right yes so if he fights the mountain
2: i'll go to that i'm all i'm all in <laughs> okay. for uh tyson fury versus the mountain keith Appreciate your time, as always. I'm going to go get more pizza and uh, next slice is on me. There you go. When we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel.
0: When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that!
1: A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's up? I'm John Wall.
2: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Well, football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I am not a massive gambler, but I am a pretty big New England Patriots fan as someone from Boston. And Even though the Pats struggled in week one, I'm still going to ride or die with them and... When I'm watching them, I'm going to gamble, and I'm going to bet on them, and I'm going to use FanDuel to get that done. So just sign up with the promo code BOXING for your no-sweat-first bet. FanDuel has all your favorite bets, from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. With live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code boxing for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, time now for this week's picks brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. If you're not betting with FanDuel, you are doing it incorrectly. Uh, we are here in Las Vegas for the big one. Canelo Alvarez. Gennady Golovkin, trilogy-completing, super middleweight championship, undisputed status on the line. This is as big as it gets in boxing right now. And right now, Canelo Alvarez is a big favorite. Minus 550, according to FanDuel. Gennady Golovkin, plus 410. I believe Alvarez wins. I know he's coming off a loss to Dmitry Bivol, but talking to Canelo this week, it feels like he was more focused for this training camp than he was for Bevel, Wasn't playing as much golf over the last few months and is really locked in on getting a clear win against his longtime rival. So take Canelo Alvarez to win this fight at minus 550. Load up on it. He's going to win, I believe it. Now, how he wins. This is where can make a little bit of money. Alvarez, by decision, is minus 110. That's the bet that I like. A lot of people are saying Canelo Alvarez is going to go for a knockout. Going to be the first guy to stop Gennady Golovkin. And maybe he will be. But Gennady Golovkin, even at age 40, has a granite chin and has, it's a cliche, but has that heart of a champion. I just don't believe that Golovkin is going to get stopped in what could be his final significant fight. So I'm taking Canelo to win and I'm taking him to win by points. I think this fight is a little more clear on the scorecards than the previous two fights have been. So Canelo to win, Canelo to win by points. Those are my picks brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Keith Ideck for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I will see you Saturday night after the fight between Canelo and Triple G for a special bonus podcast.
1: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like in the parking lot at your kid's Pee Wee Championship game.